0: With a country divided, the republic at risk, and morality being redefined, it's time to gather round the campfire, get back to basics, and spark the revival that this country so desperately needs. This is the American Campfire Revival with Kirk Cameron. Part of the goal of our Campfire Revival is that we don't want to just have a time where we enjoy together, but we want to uh, let other people know. We want this message of loving God and loving one another and getting back to the sacred promises of our forefathers to spread across the nation. So hit that little share button. One of the things that you can do to be very effective is be a force multiplier of the American Campfire Revival. And um, instead of just calling your friends, a uh, buddy told me, no, tell everybody to hit the share button down below. So... <clears throat> let's see, we've been we've been talking about, again, our hope is not in uh, the plans of political and religious leaders to fix our country and provide a future for our kids. Even though I think FDR had a great idea for presidents to lay out their 100-day plan, uh, I think the most powerful plan is counting on the power of God working in the hearts of his people. That's how God set it up. Power to the individual people who then become men and women of character and produce children of liberty who then move into positions of leadership and they serve one another. They don't lord that authority over others like some do, but they serve one another in brotherly and sisterly love. And that's what we're all about. And that's what we're learning. Made our country the freest, most blessed and prosperous, healthy nation in the world. But if we're not careful, we'll lose it on our watch, and that's why we need to get back to these principles of our forefathers and the covenants that they made with God and with one another. So, let's uh, keep going in our in our book called "The American Covenant: The Untold Story." Uh, we've uh, we've been talking about the about how influential the, that little tiny colony called uh, the the Plymouth Colony was in New England. When the pilgrims came across, they began influencing Connecticut and influencing Rhode Island. But in fact, their influence and the word on the street or a word across the, the pond, the ocean back to England was that this was like they had found something so special. They had created something so beautiful. There was liberty like they had never imagined before. And when word got back there, there, were, there was a mass exodus out of England to get to the new world. In fact, They they, they actually called it like it was like an Exodus, like in the book of Exodus in the Bible. In fact, there was a thousand Puritans. These were uh, members of the family of faith who didn't want to separate from the church like the pilgrims did. They were called separatists, the pilgrims. They they were called Puritans because they wanted to purify the church from within, uh, reform it, it, make it pure, but not leave it, stay inside and fix it. Well, they came out of England because they, they they loved what they were hearing. They wanted to check it out. And their leader was a man named John Winthrop. And like the governor of the pilgrims, uh, uh, Bradford, Winthrop was a man of character, a man of faith. He was a man of strength and a man of beautiful character, they said. In fact, they, they compared him to George Washington, who was a great man of faith, who led the Continental Army, who did such amazing things in humility and in courage they actually compared John Winthrop also to Moses. They said he was like the Moses of the new Exodus out of England. And if you remember, the the, the, the parallel there is, is Moses led the family of faith in Egypt, where they were kept in bondage and slaves in Egypt. He led them across the Red Sea. God Miraculously parted the sea, he led them across the sea to the promised land. Well, this was a, a, a situation that reminded the family of faith of that, and they said John Winthrop was a man of faith and character who led the people of England, who were in the bondage of big church power religion, and a, and 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 a, and a political leader who had who had who was on a power trip, and he had led them out of that bondage across not the Red Sea but the Atlantic Ocean and miraculously got to the other side with uh, all of these Englishmen to the land of promise. Now, again, this is not North America mentioned in the Bible, but it was a a land, a promised land, as in a land that is full of promise and blessing and liberty and freedom as they started a new community built on the word of God. This was John Winthrop, and when he uh, was going across the Atlantic, he knew, that their self-government was going to be absolutely essential, just like it was for the pilgrims. And so he wrote a very famous uh, letter. This was i I'm sorry, it was a paper, and it was a paper that would spell out their motives and their goals. He said, look, we've got to know who we are and why we're going, or this is never going to work. And so he wrote out this paper, and he said, this is who we are. First of all, he said, uh, we are a company, we are a group of brothers, we are a band of brothers knit together in brotherly love. That's who we are, first and foremost. Okay, we are members of the family of faith, knit together in brotherly love. And then he tells them what their purpose is. He says that they, uh, their work was to seek a place where they could live together, and. Uh, live together under the right form of government, both civil government and church government. So there's the plan. If you're, if you're looking to start a new civilization, a new nation, a new community, you got to get two things right. You got to know who you are, and it's got to be you in covenant with God and in brotherly love with one another, sisterly love with one another, because if you don't have the identity part right, you're going to botch everything else up. And second of all, what's your goal? Why are you going? And he said, we're gonna find a place where we can live together and we're gonna set up government, both civil government and church government. Okay, why do you need church government? Well, because if you get the church thing wrong, if you get God wrong, everything else gets botched up. You're not gonna understand who God is, how his world works. You're gonna worship something other than the true God. You're likely gonna end up worshiping yourself and you're you're gonna become your own little God. That's what ends up happening in big church power religion, and in civil government. Uh, political leaders set themselves up to be the ultimate authority to be obeyed rather than the supreme sovereign of the universe. He's the one to be ultimately obeyed. So if you get church wrong, you're gonna, you're gonna mess everything else up. You're gonna get family wrong, you're gonna get politics wrong. And then you've gotta set up your civil government because the heart of man is essentially selfish. History demonstrates that. Don't need to read too much history to see that there is a great darkness in the in the heart of man. And so you gotta restrain evil. You gotta set up rules to be able to hold back wickedness. And that's what he said that they were going there to do. And he said that their agreement with one another wouldn't just be a legal contract, it was gonna be a covenant. There's that word again, just like with the pilgrims. It was a sacred promise that they would make in the presence of God and with one another. It was like you'd sign it in blood kind of thing. It was not to be broken. Listen to this, Um he said, thus stands the cause between God and us. Right there, sacred. And we are entered into covenant with him for this work. Now, if the Lord shall be pleased to protect us and to bring us in peace to the place where we desire, if God preserves us across this ocean and we get to the land of promise, then he has verified, he has stamped with his seal of, of truth. He has certified this covenant, and sealed our co-mission. How about that? They are on a mission in cooperation with God. It is a co-mission with God and with one another to accomplish his purposes in brotherly love and settle this new land and do church and do family and do government in a healthy way. And if God gets them there, then God is with them and he's given them their seal of approval. Isn't that awesome? That's what we need to be doing again. So with this clear vision of their place in history, John Winthrop, he, he, he prayed this way. Listen to this prayer from John Winthrop. He said, he prayed that God will make us a praise and a glory, that people would look to what they did and said, look at that. That is, that is worth noting. That is glorious. That is, that is worth imitating. He said, and that men shall say of future plantations, Lord, make it like that, make ours like that of New England. So that people who come after us would say, Lord, we want it to be like them. We want to do it like those guys because they did it the right way. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. Have you heard President say that? We're a shining city upon a hill. That was actually taken from Jesus who said that uh, uh, like a shining city on a hill, everyone's going to see it. It's like a light that shines out to everyone and you can't hide it. And, and Winthrop's saying, when we go here, we're going to be like that. We're going to be like a shining city upon a hill and the eyes of all people are going to be upon us. Everyone's gonna be watching to see how well we do so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work and so cause God to withdraw his present help from us, he's saying, look, everyone's watching us. They're looking to see how things turn out. And if we deal falsely with God, if we're hypocrites, if we say one thing and do another, if we pull a, a religious whammy on the people, and we, we, we double back and we don't keep our promises to God and we don't stay in covenant with one another and God withdraws his help from us, then we shall be made a story and a byword throughout the world. Then we will be made a laughing stock. We'll be nothing but an old tale about those fools that tried to make it in the new world. Ha they made a promise to God and to one another and they botched the whole thing up. And we'll become nothing but a, a, a byword. Like a like a like a crumpled up old candy wrapper thrown on the ground, blowing down the street, forgotten about as worthless. And you know there's people today who would like for America to be regarded that way. They'd like to remove our shining city on a hill and have us be the laughingstock of the rest of the world. But I don't believe that that it has to be that way. In fact, I think that revival is on its way because the family of faith understands what's at stake and we understand that we've been given a great treasure, a priceless treasure. And that is not just internal liberty to worship and to think and to believe, but we've been given a priceless liberty and treasure in the nation that was built on the principles of these covenants and this faith. And we don't have to become a byword. What, what an amazing word for us in the 21st century. Our duty, our solemn warning coming from, from ages past, all eyes are upon us right now, America. Isn't the whole world watching to see what's gonna happen to America after the circus that we had last year? What are we gonna do this year? What direction are we heading? Where is this path taking us? And what is our duty to God and to our children? The eyes of heaven are upon us too, evaluating whether or not we're gonna live up to the principles of our founding covenants. And here's the good news, it's up to you and me. We don't have to wait for someone else to figure this out. God's already given his executive orders. If my people, he says, not other people, but if my people, that is the family of faith, sons and daughters of the king, will humble themselves and pray, that's what we're doing and turn from their wicked ways, your wicked ways, my wicked ways and seek my face, turn to him, seek him with all of your heart. Don't be an almost follower of God, be a all in follower of God. He said, then I will hear their prayers. I will forgive their sins. We don't have to be defined by the past mistakes that we've made as a nation. You're, sins don't define you and he says I will heal their land and I believe he'll heal our land of injustice of an inequality of racism of corruption of arrogance of the supersensitivity that characterizes our culture that destroys unity we can be the agents of change and blessing in this country. And we can once again be a very bright and shining city on a hill so that all eyes look to us and say, Lord, make us like them. Make us like them. We want to be like, may it be like, like, like that in our country because they turn back to the Lord, the living God. I'm counting on revival, you guys. And you and I are the the conduits of heaven to earth. So keep praying, keep loving, keep turning the other cheek and we're gonna begin to take a turn and begin talking about how to put feet to our faith and begin to engage our neighbors and move from the pews out into the public square. We need to do that and that's coming soon. So God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you for listening to the American Campfire Revival podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more and join the movement, visit KirkCameron.com.